Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Be Bold America. I'm your host, Jill Cody. Be Bold America is a live bi-weekly talk show for those who are motivated to step out with the bold actions necessary to reunite this country, fight for democracy, and learn what they can keep doing, stop doing, and start doing to reclaim our democratic republic. Our future depends on it. Our topic today is our second Democrat and Republican talk titled The Polarization Industry and Our Lens to the World. The profound division excuse me, between American and fellow American is not sustainable. How can we the people run and maintain a democracy when we all see our country so differently? My view, in my view, American citizen have come so divided in the worldviews that it may no longer be repairable if each of us isn't open to change our paradigms. I know my two guests today feel the importance of this, too. We have big things to do. Joining me again is Kristen Collishaw. Kristen is chair of the Santa Cruz County Republican Central Committee and has lived in Santa Cruz County for 18 years where she and her husband raised three children. She was brought up in a household where politics and local issues were often discussed and differing opinions encouraged and respected. Kristen, welcome back to Be Bold America. Hello, Jill. Thanks for having me back. Well, it's my pleasure. And you know, Kristen, I wanted to acknowledge you for your personal courage for joining me in these cross-political party talks. I know you love America, as I do, and I want you to know I recognize your bravery to do these talks on air. So thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. And we just do the best we can, right? We do. We're just going to keep on marching, keep on talking, onward and upward. Um, Andrew Hanauer, who's president and CEO of the One America Movement, is back with us again, too. The One America Movement is an organization founded by faith and community leaders to address divisiveness in American society. Under Andrew's leadership, One America has launched projects that bring Americans together across religious, racial, and political divides through One America chapters across the country. Welcome back to Be Bold America, Andy. Thanks, Jill. Thanks, Kristen. It's good to be with you guys again. It's good to have you here again. Hi, Andy. Um, Andy, at our first talk on July 19th, we discussed ground ground rules, and I wanted to remind those listening what a few of them are, and to also announce that they may find them, the entire list of the ground rules, on my website, jillcodyauthor.com, on the blog page. And um, they are free to be able to use them for their own groups um, and, and make it available to others, too. So um, if I can just take a, uh, 30 seconds here, you know, the ground rules we um, adopted when we talked on the 19th, one was be positive, non-judgmental, and open to new ideas. To listen, we are not debating. You do not need to know everything. You can say, I don't know, or pass. Um, ask questions that can deepen your understanding. Assume good intentions. Be brief and meaningful when voicing your opinion. Respect thinking and value contributions. And the best part is bring your humor and have fun. (laughs) Anything either one of you wanted to add to that? Sounds pretty good. 
Sounds like you, what you remembered, huh? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And I think, again, just the biggest, the takeaway is we want to feel closer and not more polarized. Exactly. So that's my hope. Mine too. So, Andy, you have some fascinating information for us about the polarization industry and our lens to the world. That includes, I understand, neuroscience as well. Why don't you start? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Jill. I appreciate it. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because I even hesitate to use the phrase polarization industry, right, because mm. it, it invokes this, um, this sense of this massive, you know, conspiracy out there that's trying to destroy us all. Um, and it's funny because when you work for an organization that tries to get people to stop assuming the worst about other people, um, it, it makes it hard to do what almost every other organization in America does, which is find an enemy, uh, declare its enemy to be the most horrendous, you know, people who have ever lived on earth and then, uh, fundraise and, uh, and legislate, advocate, et cetera, based on trying to beat that enemy. We're trying to do something that's different. We're trying to help Americans, um, you know, come back together and, and, and recognize that our perceptions of each other are actually incredibly skewed um, and incredibly inaccurate. Um, but part of what is driving that is an industry, which is that, you know, anyone who wants to sell books, win elections, raise money, um, up the ratings of their cable news show, up the ratings of their talk radio show, um, uh, you know, do any of those things, uh, the fastest way to do that, the best way to do that is to tell your viewers what they want to hear, um, to tell them that they're right and that the other side is wrong, to tell them that the other side is not just wrong, but dangerous and evil, um, and to tell them that the only way for them uh, to prevail is to in become increasingly extreme in their opposition to those other people. And so I think that, you know, rather than spend our time bashing the media or bashing politicians uh, as much as, as many of them may deserve it, I think that, you know, we really need to take a hard look at ourselves and, and we need to think about um, when we're seeing these messages in, in, in our politics and our media, how are, they, how are they messing with our minds? How are they, how are they warping our view of reality? Um, and, and I'll say one, you know, one more thing on that, which is that we work with an amazing organization called Beyond Conflict, which uh, is based in Boston and, and does neuroscience work around division, and they've worked in conflicts all over the world, South Africa, Northern Ireland, uh, U.S. and Cuba. And um, they just released a report where they said that polarized psychology, in other words, the, the viewing of the world through this us-first-them lens, actually distorts the way we process basic information. So when we go around looking at the world through this us versus them, I'm right and they're wrong lens, we become, if you'll excuse my, my um, uh, crudeness, we become stupider. We become less able to make good decisions. We become more likely to, uh, to pursue bad choices. Um, because we're not making choices based on what's true. We're making choices based on what will sound good to our team. Um, and that's really dangerous. So I think that's, that's the lens through which I'd, I'd like to ask people to try to come to these conversations is to, to, to take a step back and just reflect on the fact that um, we, we are being fed a lot of stuff that just pushes us 
further and further apart. So, Andy, do you have an example of how uh, the industry creates or distorts the reality? Sure. So, um, if you think about the, the issue of immigration, for instance, um, we have been fed a couple of binary things over the last few years. We've been fed, do you want a wall or do you not want a wall, right? We've been fed, um, uh, do you want open borders or do you not want open borders? Um, we have been fed a lot of fear. Um, we have been fed a lot about how anyone who wants to restrict immigration is a racist. We've also been told that, um, you know, those people are from south of the border are coming to get us. Um, and so whatever side you're on, it creates this image of Americans as deeply divided over immigration to the point where they can't even talk to each other. But the reality is, again, from research that has been done in the past couple of years, Americans' views on immigration are actually twice as close to each other as they think they are. So Democrats and Republicans' positions on immigration are uh, twice as close to each other as they as they perceive them to be. Our divisions are half what we think they are. Um, and, and that means there's actually a lot of hope that we could actually resolve some issues um, and actually, you know, fix some problems and, and, and make this society even better. Um, but to do that, we, we have to start by accepting that we might not have the most accurate perception of what other people believe. And so when you're talking about um, the us versus them and making good decisions, uh, how are good decisions made? Well, I think in an ideal world, we would pursue truth. We would um, absorb uh, facts and context and all those things. But the reality is that most Americans, um, when they are listening to political messaging, their brains are not listening to them speaking facts. They're listening to them the way that I listen to Golden State Warriors games where I have a very strong agenda and it's emotional, right? Um, and so uh, while some, some may say, well, my, you know, I'm basing my, my opinions on facts and they're not, um, and, of course, sometimes those people are right, but the, the bottom line is that um, we have to recognize that for the most part we're basing our decisions on team sports mentality. What does my side say? Mm. What do the politicians I like say? Um, I've heard people say in this year, you know, oh, if, if this politician supports this, then I'm against it, just, just automatically, right? Um, ideally, we, would, we wouldn't do that sort of thing. We would pause and we would think and we would listen to perspectives that are different than ours and we would open our eyes to and our ears to positions that maybe we, we, we didn't agree with before um, and, and try to recognize that there may be some good points on the other side, even if we still don't think that they're right overall. Um, that takes uh, a little bit more patience than I think we have sometimes, but it also requires a willingness to accept that we might not be right about everything we believe. So I know that um, uh, Stephen Colbert came up with this word that actually ended up in the dictionary called truthiness. And then there's also alternative facts versus facts. Sure. And uh, any thoughts on that? Because I, th I think they've really kind of taken hold in our culture, too. Sure. Yeah, I think this is really important. So uh, we are increasingly, and I think uh, we would all agree on this, um, increasingly viewing the world through two different, at least two, maybe more, two different uh, information universes. So people of good intent, goodwill, good, decent people, 
um, on the left and right are watching news that is telling them diametrically opposed things, right? And so it, there's, no, there's no surprise that they would come to different conclusions about what the best, best actions are, best policies, best politicians. Um, and we can, you know, hold our views about which news channels give us more truth than other news channels or, or, or which facts are, are, are accurate and which ones are, are not facts. But the bottom line is that this is, this is a, a, a cycle. It's, it's, it's a machine. If we continue to live in a country where half the country is hearing one universe of news and the other half is hearing a different universe of news, we're going to have problems. And so we, we cannot allow that to continue and just dig into our side. We've got to find ways to complicate these binary narratives, to complicate the idea that there's an us versus them and it's all 100% of, of all righteousness is on one side, um, or we're going to end up in the same place that a lot of countries in, in other parts of the world have ended up when they've had those, those types of dynamics. Well, it also seems that something we should keep in mind is question everything then. But that requires a lot of responsibility to go online, to read, to to find the facts or the evidence behind something. You're listening well, to people. Well, let me. We'll pick up after break. Hold on. Okay. Good, sure. You're listening to Be Bold America on KSQD ninety point seven FM. Many voices, one station. Listen worldwide online from ksqd.org homepage or listen to shows later by visiting the KSQD Be Bold America program page or from your favorite podcast platform. I'm your host, Jill Cody. Hi, I'm Tom Hartman, your host for Progressive Talk on K-Squid, 90.7 FM, community radio for the Central Coast, 4 p.m. weekdays. KSQD is a vital media resource for listeners in Santa Cruz and Monterey counties and worldwide on the web. Please help support this station by making a contribution to keep the station thriving. Go to ksqd.org and give what you can to help keep shows like mine coming to you daily at 90.7 FM. You know, with six large corporations owning most of the media, it's essential that listeners support grassroots, locally run radio stations like KSQD. Community radio is responsive to its listeners and isn't afraid to challenge the status quo. Please join me, Tom Hartman, in supporting K-Squid, 90.7 FM, community radio for the Central Coast, by making your pledge today online at ksqd.org. That's 90.7 FM, K-Squid. Catch me right here at 4 o'clock this afternoon. Thank you, and tag your it. Welcome back, and you're listening to Be Bold America. I'm your host, Jill Cody. Today, our topic is a Democrat and a Republican talk number two, the polarization industry and our lens to the world. Today, we're speaking with Kristen Collishaw, chair of the Santa Cruz County Republican Central Committee, and Andrew Hanauer, president and CEO of the One America Movement, which is an organization founded to address divisiveness in American society. Now, Andy, why don't you finish um, your thought there? Sorry, sure, Jill. Sure. Appreciate it. Um, I, I think I think when you, you you say question everything, I think we should also be careful about overthinking this, right? Mm. I mean, th there's there's a basic decency with which we should treat other people. There's a basic um, uh, open mindedness open mindedness with which we should approach uh, issues the farther away they get from us, right? 
there's no question that uh, when I get home tonight, I should kiss my kids and tell them I love them and not, you know, throw a chair at them. That's, that's easy. I know that. That's the thing that's closest to me, right? The farther we get, when we get to trade policy, am I really 100% sure that I know what the best trade policy is for the United States of America? And I can have strong opinions, and I think we should, we should advocate for our, our beliefs. But, but just the sense that um, let's just be decent people in our interactions with others and let's stand by our convictions, but let's also hold those convictions um, with the appropriate level of, of conviction that we have based on how, how close we are to, to knowledge of that issue and how far away it is from us, if that makes any sense. It does. Kristen, you've been listening to all this discussion. Did you have a comment running around in the head there? Absolutely. Oh, good. Well, I think we all want to be part of a winning team, right? And somehow along the way, politics became a team game instead of, like, it became an identity politics instead of, well, this is what I believe and this is what you believe. And somewhere along the way, we balance each other out. Now, all of a sudden, it's an us versus them versus you and I have way more in common than we do different. And... But somewhere, what I believe is right and you believe is wrong or you believe is right and I believe is wrong, and that's where we're taking each other down instead of building each other up to make this country amazing. That's a great comment. Yeah. Andy, did you have a follow-up on all that? Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more, and I I think just to give you a little neuroscience, uh, fun with that, right? So when when we walk down a street and we see a person, um, our brain decides within, uh, I think it's 17 one-hundredths of a second, whether that person is in our group or not in our group. And our brain does that because our brain's job is to keep us alive. It, our brain's job is to assess threat and to assess whether someone else is going to hurt us or not. And and that's good if you're living, you know, in, surrounded by lions or something, and, and you know, thousands of years ago, and you're trying to keep yourself alive. But the problem is, um, it, it, when it becomes the way that we view the world in our politics, uh, that us versus them just becomes toxic, and it just takes off. Um, and and we are the only species that has the ability to check that and say, hold on, hold on, hold on. That person may not look like me, but that doesn't mean we don't have a lot in common. Um, and so we've got to be better uh, than we are being right now. Uh, so our ability to check that that self-talk um, in our head is something, too, that's important to develop. One of the topics we were going to discuss today was why Kristen chose to be a Republican and why I chose to be a Democrat. Um, why don't you get us started, Andy? And, and did you want to uh, explain... One America Movement's conversation guide and how people could get it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thanks, Jill. So, so we do help you know groups around the country have have better conversations. A lot of our work is around having um, groups work together, actually, on on issues that matter in their communities. But obviously, conversations are really important. And so, um, with our partners at an organization called Over Zero, we've you know we have this guide that we use to help people have. Uh, better conversations. And, and this guide is, again, based on everything we know about neuroscience, right? And so there's there's some themes as we have this conversation tonight that um, I will bring up that, that, that relate to that, so that you, you can not just have a better conversation with your uncle or your nephew or whoever you're going to see between now and the election, um, but also actually understand what's happening in your own brain when you're 
when you're having that conversation. So our website is oneamericamovement.org. Uh, if you want to get involved in our, our work, um, there's a way to sign up and get a free copy of our conversation guide. Thank you. So how do we get started, Andy? Yeah, so the first thing is um, when we do this, uh, I'm going to ask each of you a question, and it's really to get you to be able to hear the other person's story. Um, and I know that can sound mushy, right? Like, oh, if we just hear each other's stories, you know, but but the reality is there's a reason for that. We want to get out of this talking point, I'm debating you mindset, because that creates um, really bad conversations. We want to get into a different conversation where we're getting at understanding a person's values, motives, experiences, and really critically, their doubts, their their hesitancies. One of the things that we think about the other side is that they are much more um, uh, homogenous and uniform. They all agree about everything, right? All, all, all Republicans agree about everything. All Democrats agree about everything. We, we both know, I mean, we all know that's absurd. Um, but uh, sometimes it can feel that way. And so part of getting at, well, when have you actually doubted your own position um, helps, helps us see that people are not these robotic, uh, you know, um, uh, followers of, of an ideology. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask, you know, one of you a question, and then the other person can ask a clarifying question. So just, just can you explain more about this, but not a gotcha question. Like, well, why? Well, if you think that, then how come you don't do this or X, Y, Z? Um, then the other person will go, and then we'll move on to the next question. Does that sound okay? Yeah. Sounds good. Cool. Um, so, Kristen, we're going to start with you. Um, can you tell us, like, what's your earliest memory, or when's the first time you remember thinking about yourself as, well, you know, I'm a Republican. That's, that's something that I am. Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, well, I grew up in a house when my dad was involved in local politics, and so I probably had heard the word Republican um, mentioned and um, so at a young age, and we were in parades on Fourth of July and things like that. So um, to me, it was just kind of the way things were as far as Republican, and I didn't really know that there was another side um, until uh, probably the presidential election, which would have been probably Gerald Ford and Carter or something. <laughs> um, I'm aging myself probably. But... Um, and then I wanted to know, like, what he stood for, what that meant, and things like that. So, um, for me, that was the biggest, that's my biggest memory of even knowing there were two parties, let alone what a Republican was. And we're business owners. My my husband's a business owner. My dad is a business owner. And um, I think that I kind of just aligned that with the Republican Party also. Got it. Thank you. It's, it's interesting because, um, you know, we work with a lot of religious groups, and, and one of the questions we ask them is, when did you become a blank, right? So for a lot of folks in the Jewish community, for instance, when did you become Jewish? It's like, well, when I was born. Um, uh, for for some folks in the evangelical Christian community, it's like, when did you become a Christian? They might say, well, when I was 22 or, you know, when I was 12. Um, so I guess in your answer, there's a little bit of that, right? Like when you were a kid, you were just a Republican because that's what your family was. Do you remember at some point um, 
making a like a conscious choice like this is yes i like it maybe if it was ford or carter or whatever like this is this is this this is the party that i agree with more this is what i what i what aligns with my beliefs do you remember like when that happened or how old you might have been um probably my first presidential election that i got a vote in which was reagan um and I do remember reading the newspaper, and he was very popular, and he had been California governor, so he got a lot of press, and so I felt like he was my guy. Um, so that was an easy one for me, like, to align my values with that, because I liked his energy. I liked what he brought to the table at that time. I don't even know what my priorities were probably either that I got to go to college and um, be free and that the it made the country feel good. Got it. Thank you. Um, Jill, do you have any um, clarifying questions? Well, I do. One is, um, Kristen, you grew up in a Republican family and it was the way of life. And, and was there any point in your adult life where you questioned that, where you questioned Am I really a Republican, or am I interested in being in a part of it, an independent, or um, and then maybe remake a, an adult conscious decision versus one in a, that was created by a family? Absolutely. In fact, well, I have a brother who we used to joke around with, and he was an art major, and he was always the one who made us think and gave us the other side of an opinion and he voted for Ross Perot and he, um, <laughs> and so I always felt like, and to this day, he still challenges us, um, and says there needs to be balance. I don't care. Um, I'm voting for whoever the, whoever in Congress, whatever party they are that isn't the president and things like that. Um, and so, those kinds of conversations, we weren't just all one winning team um, all the time, but we were highly encouraged to have our own views and opinions. So for me personally, um, I have gone down the, well, I like this person a lot. I value them, and she votes Republican, or she votes Democrat. So what, maybe I need to look at that, or, you know, certain aspects of the Democrat Party, you know, compassion or um, environmental issues. And then I always go back to, but it really matters how much money I have in my pocket or low taxes or ease of becoming a business owner. And so I've always gone back to my alignment uh, with the Republican Party because those are what I feel like steer the boat. Um in an economy, and then the rest of it, I can choose to give my money to any ocean health organization if that's what I so choose to do um, versus it being dictated through my paycheck every month or everybody else's. Good. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thanks, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm imagining a campaign of art, art majors for, for Perot. That you would have become president, um, but not not to be. Um, Jill, when when do you remember being a Democrat or, or 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 becoming a Democrat or choosing to become a Democrat? Either of those. Okay. Well, I think probably the best thing to do right now is to take our our um, 
station identification break, and then I can start up on that serious topic afterwards. How's that? Sounds great. Good. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Be Bold America on KSQD 90.7 FM. Listen worldwide online from the ksqd.org homepage. Our topic is A Democrat and a Republican Talk, number two, The Polarization Industry and Our Lens to the World. We're speaking with Kristen Collishaw, Chair of the Santa Cruz County Republican Central Committee, and Andrew Hanauer, President and CEO of One America Movement. This week on New Dimensions, a conversation with Dr. Laura Conover. More and more, we live and work indoors, isolated from the earth. This trend, along with sheltering in place, has left many addicted to looking at computer screens, smartphones, and TVs. When we do go outside, we are separated from direct contact with the earth by shoes, vehicles, and concrete. Dr. Conover suggests that there is a healthy There is a great healing through touching the earth directly. Standing outside on the ground is powerfully and enjoyably therapeutic. Conover calls it an earth prescription with no pain, no cost, no side effects, no appointment required. It's a formula for living that is as vital as food and water for our body and soul. New Dimensions airs Sunday at 6 p.m. here at K-Squid, 90.7 FM. Many voices, one station. Now back to our bold and impressive guests, Kristen Collishaw and Andy Hanauer. And Andy, uh, I guess the ball's in my court right now, talking about uh, why I became a Democrat. And um, Kristen, I'm going to date myself too, <laughs> because I, I came of age during the Vietnam War and the Nixon administration. So, you know, during the Vietnam War, I, there were, I was in... Um, Junior college, it was called then, but now they're called community colleges. And um, I don't think we could vote at 18. We At that point, I think we, it was still 21. And young men were going to war uh, that couldn't vote. And uh, I would have people, men come back to my classes who'd been to the war. And I would listen to what they had to say. And they were... Um, what's the word, wounded, angry, and it was mostly towards the Republican Party. <laughs> so, you know, the, the military-industrial complex is mainly, you know, created Republicans are in that business and the whole war enterprise. So I think that, that I became a Democrat during those um, really volatile times. And I also went to college um, briefly up at uh, the University of Alberta in Edmonton, Canada. And it happened to be during the Vietnam War. And the Canadian students there, the college students there, would say, why are you in Vietnam? And I'd go, I'm not in Vietnam, I'm in Canada. But I, had to, I was forced to try to defend my country, and I couldn't. You know, it wasn't something I didn't believe in the war. I didn't um, want any more people being damaged. And so I think both of those experiences, uh, living out of the country for a year and having friends who'd been to the war, young men. I remember one time I, I was talking to someone. We were walking across a bridge that went over a kind of a, a roadway, and a car backfired. And one minute I was looking at his face, and the next minute he was gone. And he was flat on his stomach on the bridge. 
and uh, he got up very nervous, and that was just his reaction. And he had an impact on me in talking a lot about um, the military-industrial complex and his anger towards the war and Republicans that kept it going. And and later we learned that um, um, President Johnson had actually had an agreement with the with the Vietnamese to end the war, and Nixon. Um, went to the Vietnamese and, and don't, said, don't, um, um, you know, take Johnson's deal. I'll make you a better deal. And um, so they didn't, and, he, and Nixon became president, and he didn't. The war went on for years and years after that. This all became known when his tapes were released a few years back. So um, that's, that's what developed me, I think, was the coming of age during that period. Andy. Yeah, thank you, Jill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, thanks. So, in the the war and peace issue, um, it was obviously so big in in that era, and and I'm curious. Um, so, that's that's one really important issue. Um, as as the years have gone on since then, as Democratic Party has evolved in certain ways, um, oh, are there other issues as well that have um, have made you sort of continue to 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 align with the party? Well, yes. Um, I think that increasing division in inequality, uh, that is really kind of breaking the back of our country, that just a few people um, hold most of the money in their hands. Um, I think last time I mentioned Jeff Bezos, you know, with $140 billion, which is $140,000 million, and we're still struggling to run our cities. And you, you multiply that out with the oligarchs that we have and the power they have in our, um, in our government. And so that's the, uh, the growing inequality that happened. Um, I also worked for the town of Los Gatos um, as a director of the community services department there many years ago. And we were trying to build, and I was a, a new career person and we were trying to build, um, um, not, it was called, um, oh, I'm, I'm blanking. It's not the um, public housing, but the one where people have to have a third of their income go to that, and the difference to their rent and the difference would be made up by Section 8, I guess Affordable it's called. Affordable housing. Affordable housing, yeah. Section 8 housing. Thanks, Kristen. And um, it just brought out the most ugly side of people and and I had death threats on me the the city ma- town manager did the town council did people were talking about those people and I'm going you know I didn't subscribe to that thinking of it could bring those people uh, in town and that was a that was another reaffirming moment in my career is um, seeing the um, the racial animosity there was. And uh, this was in the late 70s. So there have been several times that I've sort of reaffirmed that I'm, I'm for me, a Democrat. Right. Thank you, Jill. Um, it's, it's funny. One of the things that we teach, and I'll, I'm going to do this now before Kristen asks any questions, but we, we teach people to pause after they hear the other person's comments. And again, it sounds like this very sort of... Um, spiritual thing, now not just pause, but, but actually, again, there's neuroscience behind it. So our, our brains um, are wired in a way that when we hear an argument we don't like, 
um, we don't actually um, process it or actually hear it. We just go into defense attorney mode, right? So we just basically try to think of immediately how do we battle it off as quickly as possible. Um, pausing actually allows you to retake control over your, uh, your, your sort of mental space in a way that allows you to actually hear what the person said as opposed to just thinking how quickly can I refute it. Um, might be helpful for some of you who are on Facebook, just saying. Um, so, Kristen, now that you've paused long enough to hear me ramble, um, do you have any questions for Jill, clarifying questions about, about why she's a Democrat? Um, I think those are, you know, valid in my mind. If that's where her values align, then that's by all means, it makes some sense. Um, so I don't really have any that are coming to mind immediately. Well, I, I have one thing that I wanted to share about why I'm a Democrat. May I do that now, Andy? Uh, sure. Okay. Um, because I don't think it's talked about at all, and I'm a, I'm a Democrat because I believe in the Democratic commons. And unlike in a monarchy or a dictatorship or authoritarian regimes, a democracy is where people come together to create their own government and to rule themselves. And so we do this by creating um, commons and that we can all... Uh, used to create a civil society. So we have a public school system, libraries, national parks, social security, police departments, fire departments. I mean, Kristen can't have her own fire department. I can't have my own police department. We've got to come together and do these and, you know, building roadways and bridges, uh, sewage system, you know. So, uh, you know, there are things that hold us together that are called the Democratic Commons. And I, I see those under attack often, um, it, you know, during the last 40 years or so. And I think by doing that, that also divides us, too. Just, I just want to make that observation. Yeah, no, thanks, Jill. Appreciate it. Um, Kristen, let's go to you then next. Um, so this is the hard part, right, which is where you have to unilaterally disarm a little bit. But you're both going to have to do it. Um, and we, we see that so often in, in conversations where nobody wants to concede anything because if you concede a little bit, then the other person will win. And so we end up uh, <laughs> tying ourselves into knots to justify things we should never justify um, because otherwise we would have to uh, admit that maybe, you know, some aspect of our side has some fault. So I'm going to ask you a question, which is um, if you could change one thing about the Republican Party, or one thing that, that bothers you about your own party, or one thing of, um, that you, where you think Democrats are right, or, or anything like that. Um, uh, again, the answer shouldn't be, well, we're not, we're not conservative enough, you know, or, or if it's Jill's turn, we're not liberal enough, right? Because we can always do that. But w where's one place where you, where you sort of wish you, your team would, would, would do it differently, for lack of a better phrase? Um, and again, I promise Jill will be asked the same question, too. Kristen? Um. Wow, this is kind of hard. Um, I honestly can say that there's never, nobody tells me what I should think. So if I don't agree with something and I'm trying to come up with a specific thought, um, I do feel like we get held hostage in education and um, our protection and our police budget 
Um, and I think the special interest groups um, take, they end up getting the money and then they hold the other two hostage. And that's, that has always bothered me. Um, I don't know that that's necessarily a Republican thing. It just is the way that politics seem to work in our state. Um, as far as compassion and maybe taking care, I feel like I'm, I'm stumped. You've stumped me. Um, I can't think of one great example right now, but I know that there are definitely times I go, oh, I wish that that wasn't the case. Um, but if it helps, maybe that was thought of. Yeah, give me a second. No, that's okay. If it helps, and I'll go to Jill next, and then it'll give you another minute, but if it helps, you can also think about a, a way in which um, you feel like um, uh, your your positions that you believe are really good are not being communicated in a way that um, conveys them and, and therefore is conveying something that's wrong. So, for instance, um, I think a lot of people who want more limited government, um, sometimes their position is conveyed as, well, just, I just don't want you to tax me and I don't care what happens to blah, blah, blah. Whereas actually most people I know who want limited government want it because they believe government works better at the local level and that people have more money to give to charity and things like that. It's not that they don't care about people. It's that they don't want, um, they don't think that the federal government is the best um, uh, place to dispense money to people. Um, so, so feel free to think on that as well. But, Jill, you want to go? Sure. Well, I, um, thinking about this, I don't think the Democrats really are strong enough in talking about um, free enterprise system for the working and middle class, not just for global corporations. You know, there are a lot of Democrats that own small businesses. There are a lot of Democrats that are out there with entrepreneurial ideas. And they, you know, they, at least to me, seems to have ceded the, um, the ground of business, uh, to, to Republicans. But I've, I've run a business. I ran a consulting business. I've, you know, I've, and I know that there are Democrats also in that area. So probably um, because of that, we're not thought of as people that support a free enterprise system or entrepreneurship. And uh, that we believe in limited government and limited big business. I mean, it's, it just seems to be that we're the government people and Republicans are the business people and they're the twain shall meet when in fact... I think the Democrats do want smart government. I mean, Clinton, you know, and Gore pared down the government quite a lot. Um, and then there are some Democrats that are really part of big business, like uh, Tim Cook and in Apple. So I, I, I wish the Democrats would talk about business more and free enterprise and not just capitalism, but because we don't we don't ascribe to capitalism. Uh, free-for-all, like when it's talked about in, well, I should be probably saying free enterprise, but more fair enterprise. It's it's a, a fair system, um, you know, uh, to run the operation. Because capitalism worked for many years when there were lots of rules out there managing the game like a baseball game. Um, and I might finish up that thought because I need to do a, a station identification break. So... 
Thanks for listening. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Be Bold America on KSQD 90.7 FM. Listen worldwide online from the KSQD.org homepage. KSQD thanks the following recent donors who support our wonderful programs. Reagan Berry, Vicki and Thomas Garside, Nancy Boyd, Pamela Kichi, and Mary Atkinson. You inspire us to give you our very best at 90.7 FM. May you also inspire others to donate on our website, ksqd.org. And our topic today is a Democrat and Republican talk number two. And I'm your host, Jill Cody, and we're listening to Kristen Kalashaw, a lifelong Republican, and another voice here in Many Voices One Station is Andy Hanauer with One America Movement. So, Andy, just to finish that thought on business, I there were quite a few regulations that that leveled the playing field for enterprise and um, capitalism. And over the last 40 years, many of them have been um, just erased. Uh, for example, the one that was the uh, barrier between in a bank that kept people from banks from uh, gambling with our savings account deposits. But now that has that wall's been taken down, and that's when we ran into problems in 2008 with the economy. So, you know, I just think that there's a lot more that Democrats could say about being business owners and supportive of business, and and have sort of ceded that ground. Andy? Got it. Yeah, thanks, Jill. Appreciate it. Yeah, I think um, that's, a, that's a really good example. of. Again, it, it doesn't have to become this binary, right? There's, mm-hmm. We all agree that, um, you know, uh, there, there, there's, there's a lot of um, regulations that all of us would agree are good, and then there's some that only some of us would agree are good, and we got to find the best, best balance we can to support businesses and also um, protect consumers and the environment, et cetera, and that's not a black-white issue. That's an issue where, you know, we, we need to be approaching it, you know, I would think with, with uh, good faith and try to find the right balance. Um, Kristen, anything you want, else you want to add on this, this topic? Sure. Um, one thing I wish that Republicans did better or would acknowledge, um, I'm really proud of the fact that California has the lowest emissions in the country and that our country has the lowest emissions in the world. But... It doesn't hurt to actually say there's an actual problem um, in dealing with our the health of our earth. And so um, that's one thing I wish. I don't think that the solution is going to be a government solution, but I do think the government acknowledging it is a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great example, um, again, where there are, there are probably, again, millions of, of Republicans who agree with you. Um, uh, that climate change is a problem and that we should do something about it. Whether that's a government solution or a business solution, you know, is up for debate. But the point is that millions of Republicans agree with what you just said. And yet, um, uh, when you don't hear that, we, we create this binary where if you're a Democrat, you must be this. And if you're a Republican, you must be this. So thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I have one more question for each of you, Jill. Does that work? Sure. Okay, great. Um, so, um, Kristen, if you could change uh, the sort of landscape in our country from Democrats versus Republicans to any other conversation, like if you if you if you were able to change the conversation tomorrow from this party politics warfare 
to one question about about the sort of the vision for our country. How, how would you want to how would you want to change that conversation? I think that the individual um, challenges, just with the pandemic and um, the lack of empathy and compassion, is just mind blowing to me right now. And we've completely lost sight of the fact that you know, somehow we all have to recover together. And my question, I guess, would be, what can we do to help each other bounce back? Amen. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the shameless plug is that that's what our organization is doing with our Corona Rebuild Project. If you want to be part of that, mm-hmm. help and rebuild our country together, oh. supporting each other. Bring uh, it. Let's do it. I have yeah. a feeling this yeah. would be a good opportunity. Yes. Uh, yeah, you, you, you teed that one up for me. That was like a, a <laughs> slow fastball right down the middle. Um, You're welcome. Jill, You're very, you very welcome. Yeah, thank you. I, I, I'll send you a, a check later. <laughs> um, Jill, if you, if, you could, um, if you could change the discussion, the debate in our country from this sort of uh, partisan warfare to something else, what would it be? <sighs> I think it's getting a better understanding of what government's purpose is and what the purpose of regulations are. Uh, Government and regulations have been demonized so significantly. And, you know, regulations are just rules. You know, we wouldn't play a baseball game without rules on the field. And that's what regulations are. And they are there to protect people because corporations are usually much bigger than an individual. So... Um, uh, you know, having a, a, a level-headed more, uh, dialogue about the rules of, of our uh, capitalistic system, uh, and then government has been demonized, you know, called the deep state. Well, you know, these are federal employees doing their job, and when I was a public uh, employee, we operate as nonpartisans. We're dedicated to uh, the job uh, uh, that we're assigned to. And so I think that that we need to, it's the government that makes us the United States of America instead of 50 disunited states. And I think it would be building respect back for um, what government, the purpose of government, and knowing that it is messy and, and frustrating sometimes because it is a democracy and we elect people and uh, those people make a decision, and then there might they may make decisions we don't agree with. And so, it's it's tough to be a self-governing uh, country. Andy. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Thanks, Jill. I mean, I think um, uh, the size of government, the regulation of government, are are questions that um, we can, in good faith, debate and have conversations about, and have disagreements about, and. And all of that's healthy and normal. And I think what we're seeing right now in our country is that um, we, we seldom even have policy debates anymore. It, it has become just this simple, which team is going to win? Um, and that's really unhealthy and really, really dangerous. Um, and I think that um, you also are, in your in your comments, speak to the, the erosion of trust in our society, right? We've lost trust in our institutions. We've lost trust in our politicians. Um, and some of that is deserved, and, and some of it is is too much. But but we're also losing trust in each other. Um, and when that happens, um, that's when when we really need to, to course correct um, and and figure out how to how to move this in the right direction. 
Well, in the last um, few, few minutes we have, um, I'd like to talk about, you know, keep, stop, starts, what uh, we should keep doing, stop doing, and start doing. Um, uh, and Andy, do you want to um, kick it off? Any thoughts with the topic we've been uh, covering sure. today? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, I think we should keep um, caring for our neighbors. I think that's what Americans do best. If we want to see where things are working well, they're working well locally more often than they are nationally. And um, that's whatever true. that looks yes. like in, in, in mm-hmm. your community, yeah. And, and, and also just I want to send my love to everyone in California um, dealing with the wildfires and the smoke, and that's where my parents are, and so I hear about it, and just, you know, praying you guys are okay and, and stay safe and support each other, no matter Thank what you. your politics are. Just to just um, to interject, one of our uh, hosts lost his home in the fire, oh, and no. the president of our radio station is still evacuated from her home. It came up to the edge of it, but she didn't lose it, but she can't go back yet. So thank you for those well wishes. Uh, no, of course. I'm so sorry. Uh, you know, there's um, the Brene Brown, who many of you have heard of. She talks about the Cajun Navy, which is this group of folks in, in Louisiana and, and Texas who who go around in boats saving people. And she talked about how after Hurricane Harvey, they went around saving people. And they did not once ask someone, who did you vote for, before they put them, on, you know, into a boat. And so in, in the midst of crises like the wildfires, like the virus, um, I really hope that we can at least um, su- keep supporting each other and, and serving our neighbors. Um, and then, you know, stop. Oh, great. Uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, stop doing, um, stop having um, depressing, pointless arguments on social media. I think that's the easiest place to start. Oh, that's um, big. It, <laughs> that's big. Yeah, I know. It's, it is. Look, we're all, we're all stuck you know, on the internet more than we want to be these days. And, um, it's, it's so easy to go down these rabbit holes and start to get in these arguments. And, um, I, I would just say that for all of our, our health and our well-being, um, we're better off putting our phones away, going out and doing something positive, um, or even just going for a walk or watching the giants who are really not that bad this year. So there's that too. Um, and then I would say start, start doing um, some soul-searching around um, our narratives. Um, we have this narrative that, once again, we're in the, the most important election of our lifetimes. And whether that's true or not, um, after this election is over, we've got a country that we're still going to live in, that we're going to live in together with tens of millions of people who didn't vote the same way we did. And um, unless you're planning to uh, think through how to, how to flee to another country, which most of us are not privileged enough to be able to do, or unless you believe that um, you're going to kick millions of people out of this country somehow, um, we are stuck with each other, and we've got to find a way to make it work. And so I would say start thinking of, stop thinking about um, these simple narratives and start thinking about how we're going we're gonna to come together as a country after this election's over. That's wonderful, Andy. And quickly, Kristen, do you have any thoughts in the next minute or so? Um, I know. I'll try to go quick. I have a little... Uh, Keep believing. Hmm. I think uh, this is the greatest country on earth, and with all of the unrest that's happening today, we need to believe that the United States is the best country in the world. There was a gentleman who spoke, I've heard speak a few times, who immigrated here from Cuba and started a business out of the trunk of his car and is very successful today. And he's very emotional because he says, don't lose this country. 
there's nowhere else to go that's mm-hmm. better than this. Great point. And so keep believing. Keep believing. Keep making uh, it stop, better. Stop the hate. Yeah, yeah. Keep me. Yeah. Stop the hate and that believing that people are bad just because they don't agree with what you believe. There's this huge movement right now that makes you bad, me good, me bad, you good, whatever. And that's really not the case. I, I love how Andy put that. We're all stuck together. <laughs> I love that. Um, and start living the way you think we should be. If you think people need to help more, go help. If you think we all need to get along, then build a bridge and get along. Um, organic friendships and relationships, that's what makes us all better. And with the pandemic, it's difficult, but having coffee on someone's porch isn't always bad. Thank you, Kristen. So, I need to start wrapping up. I wish we had another hour. <laughs> One thing that I would <laughs> also you. say is keep living on the constructive and creative side of life, not the destructive and disruptive side of life. You know, there you can. It's a, it's a happier to be constructive and and. Uh, creative and try to figure out how to make this place a better place to be coming up next on be bold america we will ask has trump created the largest cult in america stephen hassan is an internationally sought after expert on cults and undue influence he is a mental health professional speaker consultant author and educator steve has been helping people leave destructive cults since 1976 after he was deprogrammed from the Sun Yun Moon's Unification Church. He founded the Freedom of Mind Resource Center, and his books include Combating Cult Mind Control, Freedom of Mind, and The Cult of Trump. Join me in finding out what the complex array of influence techniques applied to behavior, information, thoughts, and emotions that cult leaders utilize. We have big things to do. So please put September 13th, 5 p.m. on your calendar. Our future depends on it. Want to listen to the program later? Find the Be Bold America podcast on KSQD's website or at Apple Podcasts, Anchor FM, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breakers, Radio Public, Overcast, and Pocket Cast. You're listening to KSQD, Santa Cruz, many voices, one station. Listen worldwide online at ksqd.org. Stay tuned for new dimensions. My name is Jill Cody, and thank you for listening to Be Bold America. Until next time. Keep, stop, start.